everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. Hey everybody, Jonathan here. Uh, I want to let you know today's podcast is going to be a little different, a little weird for me. On Sunday, we had a bit of a technical snafu, and so we didn't record the teaching. And normally that's just fine. We move on, uh, just live with the fact that that's sort of lost to history. But we are in this series, and I know there are those who are tracking with it, those who couldn't be there on Sunday. And so I do feel a bit of a responsibility to those who want to um, who want to track with this series. So as weird as it is to be sort of just in a, a room by myself, uh, talking into the, the void, <laughs> Uh, I would like to share a bit of, um, of the study that we're doing. And this week brought us to Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13. And I was thinking about, you know, one of the great privileges that I have as a pastor. It's also one of the, the hardest things I deal with is to have conversations like this. And um, it's not like I don't want to have the conversation. I'm, I'm incredibly honored to be included in conversations like this, but they are heartbreaking when somebody says, Pastor Jonathan, my uh, marriage is ruined. Uh, my spouse ran off with somebody else and we don't even know where they are and I'm alone with the kids or Pastor Jonathan, I lost my job or Pastor Jonathan, I just got diagnosed with cancer. And you know, like our lives, the Bible doesn't deal with suffering in just one chapter in one book. It's, it's woven through many chapters in all the books. And so as we come to this part of Ephesians, um, we're going to be reminded about suffering and affliction and hardship through this man, Paul. Now, um, two things are true of you, and two things are true of me, and two things are true of, of Paul. We will cause other people to be afflicted, and other people will cause us to be afflicted. You know, Paul caused affliction for others. We, we first meet him in Acts chapter 7, where he's overseeing the murder of an early church leader named Stephen. He afflicted people, and then he met Jesus and he was the one who was then afflicted because of his love for Jesus. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he says he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's in jail. He's suffering. And then he says in verse 13, at the end of this unit of thought that we're going to be studying, he says, we can have confidence. So he starts, I'm in a prison, and he ends, I am confident. So... So here's a man who knows what it means to suffer, and not just in a uh, theoretical way, but in a, in a real practical way, in a very pastoral way. 
He's separated from his church in Ephesus. He's in prison. It's probably in Rome. And he's writing to them and he's wanting them to learn from what he's experiencing through his affliction. I love the Bible. Just um, It's just filled with suffering, filled with real people and real problems and real God. There are 150 Psalms. One third of them are laments, people who are hurting and crying out to God in the midst of their grief. All of the Old Testament prophets, with the exception of one, have laments in them where they're just crying out to God in their pain. You know, the Bible's real honest that suffering does come to God's people. And that stands in contrast to some false teaching today that basically says, you know, if you really love Jesus, you won't suffer. And yet we know that Jesus suffered the most. He suffered horrifically and he suffered unjustly and he suffered righteously. And the good news is that one day Jesus will bring all suffering to an end. But for now, in a world that's filled with suffering, we don't have a God who's immune from it and separated from it. Rather, a God who enters into it and and experiences it and identifies with us in the midst of it. So I was looking through the Bible and I see all different kinds of suffering, different categories, if you will, that uh, I bet at least one of you are going to resonate with, maybe all of these categories. Um, So where is life hard for you right now? Where is life difficult? What is your trial? And what category of suffering maybe are others experiencing that you know, like your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers? Quickly, uh, number one, I think there's the category of suffering that is just because we live in a broken world. We live in a world of sin. You know, thank you, Adam and Eve, for that. The world is a, is a broken place. It's why there's death. It's why we say goodbye to people we love. It's why we get sick. It's why as we get older, our bodies just start to work against us. It's why the world just isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's the general result of sin. And then the second kind of suffering, I think there's um, the kind that comes from just natural and logical consequences. Paul, Paul talks about reaping and sowing, you know, you eat poorly and it's going to affect your health. You drink too much. You're going to blow out your liver. You, you spend too much. You're going to end up in debt. Um, you don't get up and go to class. You're going to flunk out of college. You keep yelling at your boyfriend or girlfriend and lo and behold, they don't turn into a spouse. It's the consequences of our own folly. There's also demonic affliction. The third category. This is where Satan and demons actually harm one of God's people. And it could be physical. It can be emotional. It can be night terrors. It it can be hearing of voices, demonic accusation. Paul experienced this. It's why in in chapter six of Ephesians, he's going to talk a lot about the spiritual battle. And then there's um, the fourth category is, is, is victim suffering. I think some people listening to this, you have been sinned against. And it's one of the hardest things in pastoral ministry, like uh, meeting a number of women throughout the years who've gotten out of abusive relationships with violent men, or um, men and women who've left a home where they were abused as, as innocents. 
you didn't do anything wrong, but great harm was done to you. It's where people are attacked and mistreated and robbed and scammed. You didn't deserve it. In no way should you have endured it, but you were sinned against. Think of another kind of suffering is collective suffering. This is where you're part of a, a people or a tribe. And when one of them suffers, you all suffer. So, so you're part of a nation that's at war or you're in a community where tragedy is struck. Um, for Paul and the Ephesians, they're suffering in this way. He loves them. They love him. He's in prison. He can't be with them. So he's suffering, but they're suffering too because, you know, this is their community. And maybe you know somebody and love somebody and they're suffering. And so as a result, to some degree, you're suffering. Another category I thought of was, was disciplinary affliction. Uh, this is where, and this is a controversial one for sure, but like uh, there's examples in scripture where God allows some affliction, not to punish, but to mature. And for some of you, this, this season you're in, God may be wanting to mature you or correct you. And maybe, just maybe, he's allowing some hardship to motivate you, inspire you, mature you. What about um, the seventh one, vicarious suffering? And, and that's when people in the world seem to hate us. But what they really hate, I think, is, is the Jesus in us. You know, I'm not talking about when we are kind of um, jerks for Jesus, you know, those culture warriors who judge everybody and then they think they're being martyred for their faith. No, it's, it's also true, though, that we live in a day where it's kind of fashionable to be anti-Christian. And if you say you love Jesus, it's okay to mock that. And, and so that's a kind of affliction that I think is increasing. And, and Paul tells us later that our war isn't against flesh and blood, that we're not to fight back with people. It's really a spiritual battle that we should love them and that, and, and that what they're really fighting is the Jesus in us. And so it may seem like they're attacking us, but they're really offended by him. And I, I'm thinking of the people, even in our church, who have family members, friends, coworkers, and they don't like you just because you're a Christian. So there's some affliction that comes just for the cause of Christ. Um, the eighth one that comes to mind of categories of suffering is, I'll call it testimonial affliction. And, and there seems to be these biblical examples where one is afflicted primarily as an opportunity to show people who Jesus is and what he's done. And this may even be the case with Paul. He hasn't sinned or, or done anything wrong. He's been preaching and teaching about Jesus. And so they arrest him and they throw him in jail. But it turns out it actually gives him a bigger platform to talk about Jesus. So it seems like there's greater purpose in his suffering. You know, sometimes somebody goes through a hardship and they endure it in such a way that other people come to know and love the God that they're devoted to. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He's oppressed. He's thrown in jail. He's, he, he suffers. But then he rises up to great power and has a great testimony and, and millions are saved. 
and he's able to say, you know, what you meant for evil, uh, God has used for great good. Um, ninth example, um, another controversial one. What about preventative affliction? This is where God might allow some hardship, but it's, it's to warn us and spare us from greater hardship. If you think of it like um, you realize suddenly your side hurts, right? And you go to the doctor and you find out your appendix is bursting. And so the pain was a warning, a preventative affliction. It, it was uncomfortable, but it actually spared you from greater misery. And so in that way, maybe it's really a gift from God. And the last one, and maybe this is really <laughs> the biggest one um, in terms of categories. Sometimes it's just a mystery. You know, why are some of you going through something really difficult right now? Here's the answer. We don't know. We don't know what God's up to. And I know there's some Bible teachers and theologians who just struggle to say, I don't know. But that may be the only answer some of us get on this side of heaven. Because when the Bible asks this rhetorical question in Romans, who has known the mind of the Lord? Like he's not waiting for one of us to raise our hand and say, oh, I know. No, like the Bible says, we see in part, we know in part. When we're with Jesus, it'll all make sense. And until then, we have to wait for the answers that we seek. So maybe you're in a, a season of suffering today. And, and, and I think this is important to talk about because when you're trying to minister to someone else, it's, it could be helpful to understand the category or the type of affliction that they're going through so you can minister to them. And if they come up to you and say, man, I'm really hurting. If it was because of their own folly or sin, you might say, look, you need to repent. You're tanking your whole life. And if they've been sinned against, you don't say the same thing. If it's demonic, you, you pray for them and you get some help. Um, if it's because they love someone and that person is suffering, you know, you comfort them. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to provide a, a certain diagnosis for the wrong kind of suffering. Remember how Job's friends did this. Job's uh, kids die and his wealth is taken. The only thing that's left is his wife and she's actually not being very nice to him and he's sitting there with shards of of broken pottery and he's he's itching his boils because he's been afflicted and physically as well and his friends come up to him and say where's the sin in your life job well job's not suffering because he was sinning he's suffering because it was a satanic attack it was testimonial in part. I think there was other aspects to what he was enduring. And so I want us to understand um, our suffering so that you can understand how to, in the grace of God, endure it and how to offer comfort and counsel to others. And so here's the question that people who are suffering tend to ask. They tend to ask the why question. Why? Why did my wife leave me? Why do I have cancer? Why did our unborn child die? Why can't we conceive? Why did I get fired? Why? And I wonder if we should ask a different question in the midst of this. Who? Who is Jesus? And who are you in Christ? 
because your identity through your affliction is what is what's really important. It's your identity through your affliction. Who is Jesus and who are you? I don't have all the why answers. Jesus does. And when you see him, he'll straighten it out. I promise you that. But the who, who is Jesus and who are you? Jesus is good. And you can be confident. So, so what does the Holy Spirit through Paul have to say about our suffering? And I just want to say three things about this. The first thing is that our affliction can actually be redeemed for others' good. And I know that one of the first things that happens when we're suffering and when we're hurting is our eyes tend to look inward. And all of a sudden we, we lose sight of others, right? We forget, yeah, other people are hurting too. Other people are suffering too. And so I'm really amazed by this Paul who's in prison again, not because he did anything wrong, but because he can't stop preaching about Jesus. And it would, it would be real easy for Paul to make it all about Paul. But he starts this section by talking about others. And, and here's how he says it. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. And so Paul is saying here that his affliction is, is very purposeful. And he continues on and says, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. So, so Paul's saying, I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. I am in jail because I love and serve Jesus. But this is for others' good. I'm, I'm suffering for the Gentiles. And, and you remember, um, before he became a Christian, he hated Gentiles. And then he meets Jesus, and all of a sudden he realizes it's not about Jew or Gentile. It's about Jesus. And he receives a new identity in Christ. And in Christ, he's reconciled together with those who are not of his uh, ancestry or lineage. And the calling on Paul's life is that the world would come to know Jesus. He calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. And so what Paul's saying is, I am being afflicted because I want people to meet Jesus. Because for many people, Jesus is still a mystery. They haven't heard of him yet. They don't know him. They don't understand him. So I'm in jail and my suffering is actually an opportunity and all of a sudden people are, are paying attention to him. Have you heard about this pastor in jail? Have you heard why he's in prison? What's his story? Well, he seems to think that a man named Jesus was God. And he seems to think that Jesus has defeated death and he's coming back from heaven one day to, to rule and reign. Really? That's what he believes. So even in jail, Paul says, this is actually a pretty good opportunity. I've got more attention and more controversy and it gives me a bigger platform to talk to people about Jesus. And so Paul's understanding of his suffering is it could actually be 
for others' good. It could help people. It could serve people. It could introduce other people to Jesus. And so I'm, I'm asking myself this question. I'm asking you, how can you use your affliction to help others for the cause of Christ? How could you use your suffering to help others come to know or grow in Jesus? I think for those who've been through something, you have a powerful credibility. And I would say that your suffering and your hurts and your afflictions that you endure, they're going to cost you a lot. They're going to consume a lot of your life. So, so don't waste them. And I know that sounds kind of trite. I just want our suffering to be meaningful and purposeful. You're going to pay such a steep price for it. And so let's make a good investment with it. I think that's what Paul's doing in jail. He's like, well, I got some free time. Might as well write some Bible. And 2,000 years later, this letter to the Ephesians is still helping us. It's still serving us. You know, some of the real heroes in our church are those who are uh, grief share leaders and participants, those who help people who are grieving. Small groups like the Our Conquerors group who, who share vulnerably, who share their hurt or their struggle or their affliction. Um, groups who share deep sin and abuse and, and things of that kind. And what I have found is as soon as someone has endured some kind of suffering and they've learned and they've grown through it um, by the grace of God, as soon as they're honest enough to talk about it, all of a sudden just people swarm to them because they trust them. It's really amazing. I found that in my own life, in my uh, journey with depression. And so what have you been through? How can it, how can it serve others? How can you not waste it, but invest it? How could your suffering be the beginning of your ministry. And, and just so you know, we have this great, I don't know if to call it an event or a small group, but it's going to be a seven week midweek series starting, um, April 2nd, I want to say more coming on that, but it, it'll be a Thursday night series that will deal with topics of mental health that I guarantee if these topics are not affecting you directly, they are most certainly affecting someone in your orbit. And so every week there'll be a different topic, uh, depression, PTSD, anxiety, eating disorders. And we're just going to share real life stories and we're going to listen to your stories. And we're obviously not going to solve this in an evening, but we're going to start the conversation. And I think even that alone is going to be healing for some people. So instead of being uh, a church where a lot of people consider it unsafe, um, we're going to be a church where it's going to be maybe the safest place to be vulnerable and to um, share our story. So I'm really grateful. There's a small group in our church who's, who's going to host this. You can come to one of them. You can come to seven of them. You don't have to register for anything. But even in this group, there is a social work counselor. There's a, a registered coach. There's just a lot of wisdom 
packed in this group and they're going to sort of facilitate this evening. So your um, suffering, your affliction can help others. Second thing though, is that it could also help you. It can mature you. It can grow you. Paul says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. And so we see that Paul is suffering and he is ministering, but he's also maturing. He's growing. He says, I minister by God's grace. There's, there's humility there. You know, I'm Paul. I've had a great education. I have a lot of insight, but my ministry is only by the grace of God. And he says he's the least deserving. He sees himself in light of his savior. He's not comparing himself to others and thinking, you know, I'm a pretty good person. He's comparing himself to Jesus and saying, I'm the least of the saints. And I, I just know some of you listening to this are hurting. And I suspect some of you listening feel right now, like you're barely hanging on. I, I, I know some of you fight depression and despair and that there are those right on the border of hopelessness. And probably the last thing you want is another sermon, another set of points and principles. But listen, I, I just believe God could use this season to make you more like Jesus. And so if, if one of your life goals is to become more like Jesus, then even though this is a horrible season, it could also be, and I don't want to be condescending or religious about this, it could also, in a weird way, be the best time of your life. It could be. I mean, how many of you know what it means to grow in your suffering? When you suffer, um, you'll be able to say, oh, I understand and appreciate what Jesus did for me more than ever. You know, knowing that not only Christ was afflicted for us, really Christ was afflicted by us. When he died on the cross, he died for our sins. That means on some level, we're responsible for his affliction. And yet he loves us and he forgives us and he rises to embrace us. And I know when uh, some people say, Oh, it was hard, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, some of you might cringe. I, I do sometimes. I'm like, really? But when you talk to honest saints who've really been through something, and, and when they say in retrospect, I never wanted it, I, I would have never chosen it, I don't want anyone else to go through it, but I wouldn't trade it because I learned so much about Jesus and I became more like Jesus. And so I cherish what, whatever it is that I've gone through because of, of what I've learned and how I've changed. I, I hope that's true for you. It sure beats bitterness. It beats wasting your suffering. 
man, that God could actually use the hardest parts of our life to be the sweetest parts of our life, to use the most painful parts of our story to be the most encouraging parts for someone else. And it's, it's hard to even talk about this because I don't know what you're going through as you listen to this. I, I know that you're certainly not coming from some pain-free, simple existence. You have difficult circumstances that you're struggling with. But, but Paul's two questions here are, is there a way that you could use what you're going through to help others and to grow personally so that it would be good for them and good for you? And then his third point is that we can actually be afflicted for God's glory. He says um, affliction could be good for you, it could be good for them, and it could even bring glory to God, that God might even use the worst things to do wonderful things. And here's how he says it in verses 10 to 13. He says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, that's all of us together, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Is he saying, I don't want you to grieve? Is that what he's saying? No. Is he saying, I don't want you to be sad? No. Is he saying, I don't want you to talk about it? No, of course not. But he is saying, please don't lose heart. And that's my ask of you, Knack. Please don't lose heart. Sometimes I, I can just see it in people's faces. They've lost heart. They're not fighting for their marriage anymore. They're not fighting for their kids. They're not fighting for their health. They're not fighting for their joy. They're not fighting for their future. They've lost heart. And there's something worse than being afflicted. It's being afflicted and losing heart. And so that's when we self-medicate with food and drugs and alcohol and gambling and shopping and all kinds of things. Much of our life is spent trying to live after we've lost heart. So listen, being confident in Christ does not mean we pretend everything's okay and we don't pretend everybody's okay. And Sunday service, it was never meant to be some religious pep rally, happy, happy, joy, joy. And please don't go to small group and do this. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Fine. You know, that's, that's what we do. And it's okay to say, hard season, hard week, tough times. And, and in that we can know one another and we can serve one another and we can love one another. Um, so I ask you, have you lost heart? Are you losing heart? Are you giving up? Paul says, I am suffering. And I want you to know that it's okay. He says, I'm suffering, but it's a glory. You can suffer for the good of others, for your own growth, and for the glory of God. We learn something, I think, about the heart of God through the suffering of Paul. We see a reflection of Jesus. 
glory means to reflect. And Paul here is reflecting a little bit of our Savior. That's what it means to be in Christ and for Christ to be in you. So, so Paul's identity is secure. His confidence is secure. There's a lot of things that are not. His freedom's not secure. His health is not secure. His future's not secure. His reputation's not secure. But his, his identity in Christ is secure. And Paul alludes to this, that as we're suffering, um, we need to remember that, that there are many watching. And in that section of scripture, he gives us a list. He says, actually, Satan and demons are watching. They're, they're watching the afflictions of the children of God. He tells us that angels are watching, that heavenly powers are watching to see how God's people will respond to affliction and suffering. Um, who else is watching? I guess for Paul, uh, those in Rome are watching. His church in Ephesus is watching. See how he'll respond. I don't know who it is in your life, you know, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers who are watching. And what he says is sometimes when we are afflicted and life is hard and we're frustrated and we're losing heart and we're asking, God, are you even there? Do you care? Are your promises true? He reminds us just remember as people are watching this, it is enormous opportunity for you to glorify God in the midst and say, yeah, I'm suffering, but I'm not going to lose heart. You know, we can react and respond in a way that is like Jesus. So who's watching you, your children, your spouse, your family, your friends, critics, I bet you there's people you don't even know who are watching. Um, I think with the advent of social media, we have this opportunity to have more people watching us than at any time in history. And, and most of all, God is watching and he loves you and he grieves with you and he's been where you are and he's with you in that place of suffering. And so just as I wrap up here, just a couple practical things from your pastor. I would say, number one, I just encourage you to be honest. Paul's honest. Be honest with the Lord. Be honest with the Lord's people. I know talking about it helps. It helps you and it helps others. I know, I know there's those who don't want to burden anyone with anything. You don't want to share anything. You think, you know, I need to be self-sufficient. Look, you don't need to be any holier than Paul, okay? You don't need to be any tougher than Paul. If Paul talks about his suffering and his affliction, it's certainly okay for you to do it. And some of you have things you've never told anyone. They're secrets. I just encourage you to talk to the Lord about those things and talk to somebody you trust, a spouse, a parent, a counselor, a church leader, um, It'll help you not to lose heart. It'll help you to be known and to be loved. And you know what? It gives others an opportunity to know and love you and serve you. And, and let me say this to the ones listening to someone else's pain. More often than not, comfort is better than an answer. I think, you know, where I have often erred as a father and as a pastor and as a husband is on the occasions where I've tried to provide answers and I should have just provided comfort. 
you know, usually people don't need a speech. What they really need is someone to come alongside them and put an arm around them and pray for them and just be there for them. You know, God doesn't always give us an answer, but he always gives us his presence. He says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And as God's people, sometimes we just need to be there. So if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, I just want you to know you can bring your sin and your suffering to Jesus. You can be forgiven, served by him, loved by him. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this, I invite you to be honest with Jesus and honest with people and, and be able to say, I am, I'm suffering. This has been a hard season, a hard life. And my hope for you um, is the same as Paul's. I just, I ask you not to lose heart. And I hope that as you examine your own suffering, you'd be able to ask these questions. How could this be used for others' good? How could this be used for my growth? How could this even be used for God's glory? Let me just pray for you. God, as we go through books of the Bible, sometimes we hit on things that maybe we wouldn't have chosen to study like a godly man who's sitting in jail, suffering, writing a letter. But Lord, we believe that all scripture is inspired and God breathed and helpful. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that though the apostle Paul was sitting alone in a jail cell, you were right there with him. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and be with the lonely, be with the brokenhearted, Give hope to those who, who have lost hope. Give hope to those who are losing heart. God, I pray for our church, that it would be a place where those who are hurting and those who are suffering and those who are struggling could be real and be known and be comforted and to have an opportunity to comfort others. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that in a world that's just filled with suffering, that we don't worship a God who's immune to it, who, who stayed far away from it. Jesus, you suffered like nobody else. And I thank you that you rose from death. And I thank you that you promise there is a kingdom coming and that there is a day when our faith shall be made sight that there's a day coming when all our questions will be answered, every tear will be wiped away from our eyes, and eternally we'll get to enjoy you and the world as, as you intended it. And in the meantime, God, may we endure by grace and serve others by grace. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.